0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today is day number two, as we're taking up a study of demons. We're gonna talk about the Hebrew words for demons, the Greek word for demons, and your authority and power personally that Jesus has given to you over every satanic thing, including
1: demons. Join me. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian.
0: Hello, I'm Pastor Bob. Welcome back to Student of the Word and we're here to bless you today. We started a series yesterday, and that's on the study of demons. I'm offering to you my series on angels and demons, a flash drive, and so you'll be blessed by In fact, the things I got into yesterday on the broadcast, and that is The Origin of Demons is even brought out more in there, and I know it's gonna be a great blessing to you, so please order that. And the books that I mentioned yesterday also on studying the origin of demons, I brought out the fact that, uh, that demons are not fallen angels, all right, and if you believe that, fine, we get to heaven one day, God might straighten all of us out, including me. But I don't believe so because, again, I found out so many things where demons differ from angels. And one thing about demons is they can't manifest themselves unless they're inside. They're constantly seeking someone to inhabit. And that someone could be a person or secondarily, they will accept an animal. They did in the Word of God when they inhabited pigs. But angels don't do that. In fact, an angel can just show himself in a body. He can just suddenly take on a body. It looks like a human body. And the Bible says we can entertain angels unawares. They just look like people. People around us, but demons don't do that. And anybody that's seen a demon will tell you they don't look a thing like a like a human being. No, they look more like a a monkey, a hairy creature, small, and uh, irritating. And uh, even paintings from history, way back hundreds of years ago, where they've seen demons and painted them, they all look the same. And that's exactly how people describe them today. So again, we found the word of ice, and what I taught was that really demons are disembodied spirits. Of a race that was here before Adam. So if you get into, I mean, you know, if you didn't hear yesterday and uh, you're suddenly going, what? Well, then I brought brought out some great uh, things to study. First of all, is Earth's Earliest Ages by Pember. And I don't know if that's still in publication, but I found them on eBay, so they're still out there. And then next of all, the finest date Bible. Uh, and that's still available too. So uh, especially the notes right out of, of Genesis chapter one, verses one and two, bring out incredible history of what the Bible says about uh, an earth that was here before the time of Adam. And Adam was not the first one to sit there. In fact, the first one that ruled the earth from the garden of Eden was Lucifer himself It says, you have been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. So he ruled the earth from there, but he fell. God wrapped up this entire planet, judged it. And in Genesis chapter one and verse two, it says the earth, here's the Hebrew, the earth became without form and void. It didn't start out that way, but the earth became without form and void. And literally verse two is a restart of the earth. And Adam and Eve were placed here. And this time Adam and Eve, even though they failed, They were God's chance to get back into this earth and now produce later on the seed of the Lord Jesus Christ and bring redemption to this whole thing. So with all of that, let's get back in the word of God. I want to give you some names for demons. Let's start with some Hebrew names for demons. The first one is Sar, S-A-I-R. We get the word satyr from this. And a satyr is a half animal half human being. A satyr is one with a horse's horse's body, but it's the torso and the head of a man coming out of it. And so this is in essence what demons are. They inhabit human beings, and they themselves are partly animal, partly human beings of some kind, and there was no redemption for them. Whenever God wrapped up this whole thing, apparently the entire earth went after Lucifer, went completely after Satan, and God just wrapped up the whole place. But the spirits of these disembodied, Uh, beings still roam the earth today. And again, above them, Satan does have some of the fallen angels, but most of the fallen angels are really bound in a place called Tartarus under the earth, waiting for the time of the, uh, Judgment of God against all unbelievers and all demons and all of fallen angels and everything and that will be at the great white throne judgment. So the word sair s a i r is where we get the word satyr from and it means a hairy, rough he goat. Interesting, isn't it? Leviticus chapter seventeen and verse seven. This word appears in Second Chronicles chapter eleven and verse fifteen. He goat is the one that really gets me. In the Word of God, God has nothing against goats, but whenever goats are used as far as spiritual replication of something, goats represent unbelievers. Again, goats are fine and they make good food and they might make some, you know, some cheese and some milk or something like that. But goats in the word of God, whenever used on a spiritual level, goats represent unbelievers and sheep represent believers. Jesus will come back one day and take the nations in front of him and within the nations separate the sheep believers from the goats unbelievers. And there was a day in the old Testament on the day of atonement, that two goats were brought, and one goat was sacrificed, and the other goat was sent out into the wilderness. Both of them represent the death of Jesus Christ. When on the cross, he became a goat, and then whenever he uh, died after the cross, and when in three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, he suffered spiritual death. We have the physical death, that was the goat that was killed, and we have spiritual death, the one that was banished off into the wilderness, and that's what Jesus did for three days and three nights. He became the goat on the cross. Uh, Just like whenever Moses' raising up that 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 uh, you know uh, thing in the wilderness A very tall rod on the top of it was a snake. It represented Jesus on the cross. On the cross, he became sin for us. He became Satan's, basically the essence of Satan on the cross, dying for the sins of the entire world. But after three days and three nights, he could be resurrected. You know why? He had no sins of his own. He took our sins and after they were paid for, Satan couldn't hold him anymore. And God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the power of God the Father and by the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting today That goats still represent Satan. Goats' heads are used as satanic symbols, and so the goat today still stands for the kingdom of Satan. We have that. The second Hebrew word is the word shed, S H E D, and it means destroyer. Demons manifesting around idol worship are destroyers. And so, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 17, Psalm 106 and verse 37 tells us that idols themselves are just stone. And they are wood and they might be molten metal that's been shaped into something. But the point comes is that the power they have is not really. There's no power in the metal. There's no power in the in the wood. The power is in the demon that manifests itself behind it. And this is brought out also in First Corinthians chapter twelve in the opening verses one through three. Let's define demons. Okay? In defining demons and how they work, let's take it up. In fact, let's go to Greek words also because this is going to help us understand it too. The first word in the Greek that we bring up for demon is the word daimon, D-A-I-M-O-N. It's where we get the word demon. And this is just a general term for all demons found in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 31, Revelation chapter 16 and verse 14. Isn't it interesting that we have movies today, and one of them was the about Antichrist, and it simply called him Damien. This is from the word demon, and so again, Damien here represents uh, the word uh, daimon, and it refers to demonic forces in the gen in general. The next word is daimonion, and this word is where the dominion comes from Satan. So dominion actually comes from the the rulership of demons. So we might use it in other forms today, which seem to be okay, but otherwise the word uh, daimonion or dominion comes from this specifically attached to a particular problem that we have. And so there's dominions around there with all the problems we have of the world, but breaking them down, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22 brings this out and also Matthew chapter 9 and verse 33. So again, this is all brought out in the series that you can get that I have here on this broadcast. And so the word means again, demon, and demon comes from this. The word daimoniazomai comes from this also, which means to demonize. And so when somebody was was literally possessed with a devil, this is the word that is used. They were demonized. And so this is brought out. Matthew chapter nine and verse 32 and Matthew chapter 15 and verse 22 brings out the facts that says they were vexed with a devil. They were possessed or demonized. It all is taken from one word. And the other one is also is used for spiritual things and the things of God. And that is a demon is called a pneuma. Pneuma means spirit and it's used for the Holy Spirit, but also for evil spirits, showing in both cases that there's a recreated spirit inside of us, but there's also evil spirits out there. It just simply means they're attached to the spirit world, not to this natural world. The only way that a demon in the spirit realm can have having come to contact with this natural world, is to inhabit a person or an animal being inside of them. This word is used for spirit. When we talk about Jesus cast out evil spirits, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16, Acts chapter 19 and verse 12, both bring out the fact that demons are spirits. They're part of the uh, world over there. To see a demon We can see their manifestation, side of person, but to actually see a demon with your eyes takes the spiritual gift of discerning of spirits to where you see into that realm and you can see them. I've been in services where people said, I saw angels in this room. Well, I can tell you what, you had to be operating in that area of the gifts of the spirit in understanding that, that you now see the demonstration where you see into the spirit realm. And so discerning of spirits. But also I've had people say, well, I saw demons in here. Same thing. Now with angels, angels. Angels could have come and manifested themselves in this natural world. We can see them. But most of the time when we see angels, we're seeing into their realm. They're not coming into our realm. And the same thing with demons. With demons, it has to be discerning of spirits because they do not have the ability to manifest themselves in this world. Let's talk about New Testament titles. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 21, in Acts chapter 19 and verse 12, and Ephesians chapter six and verse twelve, they're called evil spirits. The Greek word means a malignant evil, much like a uh, much like a cancer that becomes malignant. It grows worse and worse and worse. The second one is called foul or unclean spirits. I, this is cool. I like this because I had a guy tell me one time. He said Jesus never met a homosexual, and if he did, it, he would forgive him. I said, well, yes, I think he did meet them, and yes, he would forgive them, but he did meet homosexuals. It's not like it's some new problem. It's been around for a long time, even since the Old Testament. And that's because it's called an unclean spirit, a foul or an unclean spirit. The word unclean means in unclean, impure, sexually impure. It's used around the word pornography, child sex, and homosexuality, lesbianism, bestiality, anything unclean. Natural sex is clean as far as God is concerned. But then it gets into perversion of sex. Galatians 5 and verse 20. Calls this word uncleanness and lists the the, the uh, manifestations of the flesh. The manifestation of the flesh come along as adultery, fornication uncleanness, all three are are sexual terms. Next of all are spirits of infirmity. This comes into disease or sickness. This is found in Luke chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. Spirits of infirmity simply show that sickness may come from natural causes around us, the curse that's in this earth, but also demons can cause it. And therefore, this spirit of infirmity has to be cast out. Next of all, there's spirits of divination. The Greek word here is puthos, which means a python. And it refers to the occult or Satanism or witchcraft. This is found in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 18, where where Paul cast the devil out of a girl who was possessed with a spirit of divination. And finally, seducing spirits. The Greek word means a deceiver or an imposter found in First Timothy 4.1. And today there's being seducing spirits in around the world, seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. Seducing spirits simply means Satan is in the enticing business to draw us into his world. I'll see you right after the break.
1: Do angels really exist today? What is their purpose? How do they appear in the earth? What about demons? Where did they come from? Are they fallen angels? And can they actually possess a person? In 15 audio lessons on angels and demons flash drive, Bob Yandian teaches what the Bible has to say in a comprehensive topical study of angels and demons. Lesson series include Angels, God's Messengers A Study of Angels The Christian and Demons And A Study of Demons MP3 audio files can be played on computers, MP3 players, smartphones, tablets, iPads, and iPhones as well as car audio systems equipped with a USB port To order Angels and Demons, visit our website at bobyandian.com A new book just came in.
0: I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification, redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself
1: Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on partnership. Welcome back to the broadcast. I want to take to you from the word of God that literally demons are
0: an extension of the nature of the flesh. The nature of the flesh came from the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden. In fact, that's the first thing that entered into them and it's called sin in the singular, sin in the singular. And so we all have within ourselves, even as Christians, sin, but it's found in our flesh in this part of us, the inward man, the spirit has been uh, born again, made into the image of God and our soul, which is attached to the spirit within us is being changed day by day by the word of God, but the flesh never changes. In fact, it gets older, it eventually dies, turns to dust, but found within your body is the nature of sin. And it's called the nature of the flesh, found the word of God and to be carnally minded, that's in control by your uh, flesh and your mind and your flesh working together is called carnal. But when your mind and your spirit work together, it's called spiritual. So there's spiritual Christians following the Holy Spirit in fellowship with God, carnal Christians, even though they're still a Christian, but yet they're out of fellowship with God because they're controlled by the nature of the flesh. The Holy Spirit still lives in you. He's just got his arms folded. He no longer has control over you until you repent of that sin. Ask God to forgive it. And the moment you do, he's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and bam, you're back in fellowship with God and the Holy Spirit's in control. But demons are are an extension of the nature of the flesh. We're told what those things are in chapter five of the book of Galatians, where it talks about the uh, manifestations of the flesh and the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. So any of these that we find, demons are extensions of them. And so uh, let's talk about that. Any problem of the flesh has a corresponding demon out there. Uh, There's sexual lust. And so we have pornography and all these things now attached to the sexual lust that's within us. There's a proper use of sex but there's also a wrong use of sex. There's power lust. There's the love of money. There's jealousy, anger, murder, all these things. If we don't control them here, actually demons can begin to come up, come in and they begin to entice us. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed, but a Christian can be. Uh, at times uh, overtaken by a demon, and they influence us in our life. But again, a Christian cannot be demon possessed. Only sinners can be possessed by a demon, because how in the world can a demon move into your spirit when the Holy Spirit lives there? The Holy Spirit will not share us with a demon. But a demon can affect our thinking. It can bring disease onto us. But it cannot actually again. Demons cannot take take control of us. And so, demon possession is for the sinner, not for the saint. But that doesn't mean Christians don't have problems with demons. So demons cannot overtake you apart from your own will. James chapter one and verse 14 says, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lusts. That's here in your flesh and then enticed. The enticement comes from the demons that are in this world. Anything which numbs the will is forbidden in the word of God. Drunkenness, drugs, idolatry, witchcraft. All these things numb the will and open you up to demonic forces. So again, this is brought out strongly in the Word of God, and that's why when we commit any of these things, if we commit a sin of any kind, it's an open door for demons to begin to come and entice us stronger than ever before, and in that moment of weakness, we can follow after them. It simply comes back to this. The moment you do something wrong, ask God for forgiveness immediately, quickly, Perpetual unforgiven sin weakens the will, and that's why demons cannot take you where you are strong, only where you are weak. Let's talk again. Let's emphasize more about demon possession versus demon oppression. Only a sinner can be demon-possessed, and they can be oppressed, but only Satan can oppress a Christian. He cannot Possess them because we are possessed by the Holy Spirit. We may be living in carnality. We may be following our flesh, but on the inside, we are owned by God. I am a child of God. I'm just momentarily out of fellowship with Him. You know what I'm talking about. In your own home, your own children, they're born into your family and they will always be children of your family. But there's sometimes you don't like what they're doing and they're rebellious. They begin to go their own way. What you're waiting for is two simple words. I'm sorry. (laughs) you <laughs> That clears the air, that restores the fellowship in the house. The prodigal son did not lose his relationship with his father. He lost fellowship with his father, even in the pig pen. He said, I will return to my father. Notice the relationship was there. And tell him I have sinned against you and against heaven. And he went home and did that. And then he was back in fellowship, shoes placed on him, the robe on his back. But he was a son who returned. When you get born again, your sons and daughters of God period. You may be in fellowship or out of fellowship with the Lord. You may be in spirituality or carnality, but you're still a child of God. What God says, the moment you get into carnality, you are then being tempted and drawn by demons after that, because you fell for some area of the flesh of which there's a demon attached to that out there. I'm not saying you have demons in you. They're out there. And the moment that happens to you, they can now have an open door to entice you. That's why you need to be quick to confess your sins. Even David David was called a man after God's own heart, not because he never sinned. And I'm not saying that you as a Christian reach a point, you'll never sin. It's God's goal. He would love for you to come to the place in your natural life where you never sin again. These things write we unto you, that you sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I'm simply saying, if you do sin immediately. David was a man after God's own heart, not because he never sinned, but he was quick to repent. When he did sin, this is what God is looking for. So demon possession only happens to unbelievers. Demons cannot possess a believer, but they can oppress him. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19 and 20 tells us that on the inside of our body, that's where the Holy Spirit is. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But we still have this treasure in earthen vessels. This is still made of the dust of the ground and still can be tempted. But if I walk in the spirit and especially follow after the word of God, I have power to resist the lust and the temptations of the flesh and follow the Lord. And then my body becomes a servant of God. The temple is where the Shekinah glory of God is that used to be in the temple back there, resting over the Holy of Holies and the and the, the uh and resting over the Ark of the Covenant. Today, that's in our own heart, and that's where the Holy Spirit is. Christians can be driven or oppressed by a demon. In the body, they can produce sickness and disease. In the mind, they can produce depression and mental illness, but the point still comes back to this. I am a child of God. Therefore, by being in fellowship with God, I can act like a child of God, have the power to live the Christian life. Let's take a look at some verses of scripture in the Old Testament that tell us what God says to us about demons. Leviticus chapter 17 and verse seven. Leviticus 17, seven says, "'They shall no more offer their sacrifices to demons "'after whom they have gone a-whoring.'" God simply says, when you go after demons, that you may still be married to Jesus Christ, but you're running after whores in this earth, and that is those that want to seduce you and bring you under their control. Will God forgive you? Yes, he will. I'm not saying all of it deals with sexual sins, but a lot of it does. This will be a statute forever, it says, to them throughout their generations. How wonderful that is. I'm simply saying the problem with demons didn't start today. It didn't start with Jesus. It started in the Old Testament, and the Problem is, is the moment that Adam and Eve listened to the devil and listened to his temptations and fell forth, they opened themselves up to demons after that and the whole human race, but the demons were already here. So again, Leviticus 17, seven, how about Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 17? It said they sacrificed to demons, not to God, to gods they did not know to new gods that came recently whom your fathers feared not." This is what God is simply saying. When they came into the land of Canaan and they conquered it, he simply says, listen, I want you to take care. In fact, what he said was kill them all. Why? Because he knew what was going on. Later on, we have Molech, the, the terrible god. Uh, which uh the uh the Canaanites offered their children to that these gods demanded the the children the smallest the most innocent and they were offered to them but then all of a sudden God's people begin to fall for it they begin to come into that and by the time we come to the prophets of the New Testament the groves of Baal were on the mountains and it said that they sacrificed, they came to these tabernacles of Baal and they offered their children and they were a whoring on the top of these mountains. There was sexual sins being committed and lustful things, and they would take their children and throw them into the fire, thinking they would have great commendation from God. And God said to them, I hate this, I don't like this. He said, why would you take the most innocent lives and sacrifice them, of which we have today so strongly when it comes to abortion? We take innocent lives and we just sacrifice them and somehow we think this is okay. Let's talk about Revelation chapter 16 and verse 14. In this verse of scripture it says in Revelation 16:14 for they are the spirits of demons working miracles, this is lying signs and wonders. Jesus warned us about this and said there'd come a day before the very end comes where you would see lying signs and wonders which go forth unto the kings of the earth and do the whole earth and gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. There's gonna actually come a day when demons are going to bring in the forces of the world and entice the forces of this world. Once we get rid of Jesus, who's coming back right now, we will have this whole earth to ourselves, And so we're gonna bring all the armies the world. Boy, that doesn't, that impress the natural mind. We're going to bring in the finest military of the world, the finest armament of the world. We're going to bring in the finest battle equipment, and we're going to blow Jesus Christ right out of the sky. Boy, do you have a second thought coming. Jesus is gonna open up his mouth, chapter 19 of the book of Acts. He's gonna open up his mouth and out will come a sharp two-edged sword. You know what that sharp two-edged sword is? The word of God. He's going to speak the word as he did directly to the devil. It is written, it is written, it is written. He's gonna quote the word of God. And when he opens up his mouth, out will come a sharp two-edged sword and kill all of them that come against him. One man opening up his mouth without a gun in his hand Without a rifle, without a sword, without a shield, is going to speak the word of God. And the Bible says, on that day, so many of the uh, of the military will be killed coming into Jesus, that the blood will run to the horses' bridles. That's how high the blood will be for 185 miles. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1: Believers have been given authority over Satan. And in Matthew 10, 1, he called his disciples to himself and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal all kinds of sickness and disease. Because why? Whether it's demons or sickness and disease, demons can cause sickness, demons can cause disease, or else it's the curse in this earth, but it still all originates from Satan. We've been given authority over that. Matthew chapter 9, in verse 33, and when the devil was cast out, the dumb man spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying it was never so seen in Israel. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 32, the verse just before it, they went out and behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a demon. Notice this. Now there may be natural reasons. There may be, you know, birth reasons, or there may be disease reasons why someone can't speak, but this was definitive, definitely pointed out as a demon. Acts chapter 19 and verse 12. It says here in this verse of scripture about Paul preaching in Ephesus. And it says, the power of God was so strong that literally he was anointed and people began to lay their handkerchiefs and aprons on him so that from his body were brought to the sick, handkerchiefs and aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. That's the power of the spirit of God. You have that power, you have that name of Jesus. You have that authority. I'll see you next
1: time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bobyandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen.